You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We do have a new caller today, so Mr. New Caller, take it away. Hey, Ryan, what's happening? It's hey. Randy from Maryland, a uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you. Sometimes we exchange Twitter DMs when I am feeling very mad. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. No, I, I got two things for you, um, and I, I don't even want to revisit the Lions game because who does? It's been talked ad nauseum. We know what happened. Correct. We saw what happened. Anyway, um, my, my first point that I want to make is us as Packers fans, I often feel like we have, or, or the Packers in general as a team, we have guys out there on the field that would never step foot on the field for 31 other franchises. Um, you know, the, although Rudy Ford's had a great year, I don't think he starts anywhere else. Um, Josh Myers doesn't deserve to be a starter, shouldn't be a starter anywhere. I would push back on Josh Myers 1,000%. I could pick probably half the league. Again, I think people are overreacting to this last game and the fact that he can't run block. But let me just reiterate this again. And I know it's been a rough start, but Josh Myers in 2022 was the fifth highest graded pass blocker in all of football. Number five pass blocker. You don't think that guy could start somewhere? Do you know where he ranks right now in pass blocking? Tenth. So here's a list of teams, and yes, the run blocking is bad, but here's a list of teams that would probably consider him, considering his pass blocking. Lloyd Cushenberry with Denver, Evan Brown in Seattle, Ethan Posick in Cleveland, Jarrett Patterson in Houston, Tyler Biotish in, da- in Dallas, Andre James in Las Vegas, some of these probably not so much. Oh, Chicago 100% with Lucas Patrick, Washington Nick Gates, uh, we'll skip Jason Kelsey because that's not a thing, although he's probably playing one of his last years. Um... David Andrews in New England, Coleman Shelton in L.A., Corey Lindsley for the Chargers, Ted Karras in Cincinnati, Wesley French in Indiana, Drew Dahlman in Atlanta, Eric McCoy in New Orleans, Luke Fortner in Jacksonville, Robert Hainsey in Tampa, uh, Hjalta Froholt in Arizona, which is still one of my favorite names in football, Bradley Bozeman in Carolina, Jake Brendel in San Francisco, Aaron Brewer in Tennessee, John Michael Schmitz in uh, for the Giants, Connor McGovern for the Jets, Mason Cole in Pittsburgh, and Liam Eichenberg in Miami, who is a 10 PFF grade. And also, I, I do think Rudy Ford probably plays for several other teams. What, what was There was a team I was just looking at. I think it was for the podcast tomorrow. But horrific safeties across the board. What the heck team was that? Actually, I know Seattle, uh, I had talked about this before, I don't know if it's still the case, but yeah, Seattle has the 87th and 91st out of 92 safeties. Now, would they play him over Quandre Diggs because he's just having a bad year? I don't know, but probably. Either way, if you're going to insist on playing Quandre Diggs, Kobe Bryant uh, probably doesn't need to be playing. And you say, well, what about Julian Love? He's ranks 80th. They have three safeties in the bottom 12 safeties in the NFL. Savage is above all three of them, and Rudy Ford right now is ranked 23rd among all safeties in the NFL. So, again, this is just my perspective based on what I see from Packer fans. There is a massive overestimation of the rest of the NFL. We look at Josh Myers and the fact that he had one bad day pass blocking, and that he struggles run blocking, and we assume this is the worst thing ever. Nobody would ever... Dude, you have no idea how bad it is for other teams. This is why some people hate Brian Gutekunst. I'm not necessarily saying you, 
But some people hate Brian Gutekunst because they just think 31 other teams are just, they're just crushing all their draft picks and everything's great and, and nobody has like Rudy Ford playing safety or a guy that struggles once every seven games at center. Like, there is this way off perception of how bad things are out there or how good things are. Rudy Ford ranks 23rd. He's a lot better than a lot of guys. Now, would he have been given the opportunity like the Packers gave? Maybe not. But that's to the Packers' credit. And, and again, I would 1,000% push back on Josh Myers. Even having a bad bad year, he ranks 10th in pass blocking. And it's not necessarily even to his credit. It's just, it's just a, a, I think, complete misunderstanding of how brutally bad some football players are on other teams. I, I just don't think we have a concept of that. There are teams that, that have, like, nothing... Like Josh Myers, not only would Josh Myers start, he would be like the best offensive lineman on some offensive lines. Just to be a hundred thousand percent clear on that issue. Um, and just uh, thinking about it for like thirty seconds. I mean, going through the years, guys like Eric Walden, starting yeah. outside linebacker, and yeah, he was Dennis. he was bad. Blake Martinez, Blake Martinez was our starter, and and. Oh, people raved about him. Look at how many tackles he gets. Blake Martinez. The guy was just a catching mitt for running backs eight yards down the field every time. What did he last? Two years in New York? Gone. Um, who knows what happened to Jennings and Walden? Um, guys like Jarrett Boykin. Guys like Don Barclay. Ha ha Clinton Dix. Ha ha Clinton Dix was our savior at safety. And then what? a year with Washington and a year with Chicago out of the league. He, we start guys and put way too much into guys that we know would not start anywhere else. Uh, well, again, I would push back on that. Ha ha Clinton Dix did start in other places. Um, and he was better with us. I mean, even in those other places, he, his he started going backwards. I mean, he really fell off after we lost Morgan Burnett. And I that was one of the things that I got right on this podcast. He desperately needed that guy, that veteran next to him. And once he left, haha, fell off a cliff. But yeah, I mean, you're pointing out bad players. There are times when we, when we like MD Jennings, we had the worst safety group in football. It was bad, but that's who we had. It's not like, well, you're just, you're starting the wrong people. That We just didn't have good players. That happens. Sometimes we don't have pass rushers. Like Tennessee, they haven't had pass rushers in like a decade. They suck. Why are they starting him? Because it's the best they have. That's that's the problem with... I mean, every team struggles with these kinds of... Trying to satisfy certain things. You remember when San Francisco had like a top five pick for like five years straight and they kept getting defensive linemen over and over and over and over and over and they kept missing. They all sucked until finally they hit on Bosa. Those are like top five picks. Like, I don't know. When was Eric Walden drafted? Was he like a fifth round pick or something? He was a sixth round pick by Dallas. When he came to Green Bay, he was on his fourth team. I mean... Yeah, we, we start people, and, and again, it's not true that they wouldn't start somewhere else, because again, he was on his fourth team, and then he went to go play in other places, so he was starting all over the place. But it seems like what you're highlighting is sometimes we don't have premium players at positions. And and I'm, I'm really sorry to tell you, that's going to be true for all eternity. There is never going to be a time where we start somebody at every single position that's really good. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of the NFL. Maybe the 96 Packers, I don't know. <laughs> It's just not a thing. There isn't a team right now that isn't starting someone that you could make similar claims to. Like, this guy's a bum. He shouldn't even be starting. That's true. There aren't enough guys in the NFL that are really good to fill 30, you know, 32 teams full of... I mean, it's just, it's not a, it's not a thing. So, yeah, I mean, you could point to a lot of guys that the Packers had that weren't good at football. That's true. And I feel like sometimes we put players on the field that... It just boggles my mind how they could even make it to the field. Um, that's that's my main point. My other point is in regards to Joe Barry's defense. I can't I can't get over the fact that I would much rather lose on an explosive play than a thousand paper cuts. If you told me you got two choices, get shot in the head, or or I'm gonna <laughs> to death. paper cut every square inch of your body. Just shoot me. Just shoot me. I'd rather see our guys lined up man on man and then get beat than just run the ball four, five, six yards a clip all the way down the field. It's ridiculous. It's terrible. I got to call you.
Yeah, I mean, in in theory, it makes sense. I remember we were doing the same thing with Dom Capers, Ben Don't Break, and, and the idea is eventually we're going to catch him, right? Eventually we'll get him in that third and long and we'll tee off on him. Eventually we'll get that pick. Eventually we'll get that fumble. And again, in theory, it makes sense, but if you don't eventually get it, or if you do eventually get it, but it's once every five times and they're scoring on every other drive, you're you're burning out your defense and you're also giving up a ton of points. So you, the point is you have to be good enough to actually execute that. You know, and, and and we're just not. We're not good enough to execute what Joe Barry wants to do. Because essentially what it seems like to me, based on what a lot of people are describing, is that he's putting the team in suboptimal situations in hoping that eventually they'll be able to make a play. Right? Eventually rise up above the exp- the, the um, deficit that I'm putting you in to make a play so that we can get off the field. I just, you know, and, and again, we, we we all say one thing, and then I'm sure if we got beat on explosive plays, we would just be looking at, this, like, this team sucks. Like, two plays and then a 40-yard bomb, like, we can't do anything, it's trash, whatever. Um, then we're getting into a shootout, and do you really want the Packers' offense engaged in a shootout? Are they built for that? Probably not at this point in time. You know, we're, we're not going to be happy either way, but I, I do get what you're saying. It, it makes sense because... I mean, we're, we're, we're gassed by halftime. We're just, we're not good enough to do this. Uh, I don't know if he's just putting too much faith in it, or I mean, his, his whole goal is to get into third and long, but the way we play football on first and second down, we're almost never going to be in third and long. They're getting seven yards on the ground on first down. There's no third and longs here. You, you, I mean, you have to actually do something to try to put them in third and long. I, I get it. We're, we're built for third and long. We will crush you on third and long. But play like you want to be in third and long. And that means you have to take a risk on first down. And you know what? Somebody's going to take a shot down the field, and you're going to have to trust somebody. You might have to trust Savage and Jair to not get beat down the field, and maybe you don't trust that. I don't know what to tell you. But you can't say we're built for third and long and then never put us in a third and long situation because you're too scared to like load up and take away the short, easy, you know, four yards and then four yards puts them in third and two, right? You can't give them that. But if you're going to keep giving them the underneath stuff and if you're going to keep, you know, making it easy for them to run by playing in nickel all the time with hesitant linebackers who refuse to attack the line of scrimmage so the numbers are massively against us. Because we say, oh, there's seven men in the box. No, there's not seven men in the box because the two linebackers aren't engaged until you get to three, four yards. So we've got five offensive linemen and a tight end against our four defensive linemen and then linebackers who are standing there. No wonder we're getting the crap beat out of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish we were in third and long all the time. We'd crush them. we put Rashawn Gary out there and just light them the F up. But we're just not going to see it. And again, in theory, I, I understand the theory. It, it, it's honestly the same. Th- I mean, it's, I think it's what every defensive coordinator wants to do. I want to put four men on the line that I can trust to just tear things up with the linebackers who have got to play, you know, they got to play it both ways. You got to attack downhill. You also got to drop into coverage. You got to know when to do that. Da, 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 da. Mike Pettin was the same thing. That's why it was constantly, he was investing in defensive line, defensive line, defensive line. It was like his biggest priority. I remember when he was here, it was like the only thing we had on defense that worked was defensive line. And we went out and got defensive linemen in free agency. Because he just wanted to have, he wanted to make sure he had four massive killers up front that could do everything so that everybody else could just play covers. Like, I don't have to worry about anything. Like, just let them handle that, and then we'll just stay back and cover everything. But you gotta have just the best freaking guys, and then, you know, play smart and call the right things at the right time, et cetera, et cetera. And we're just, we're not doing that. We're not executing it, so... You know, we're, we, we seem to be a defense that's really good at one thing and only one thing. And that is when we know you're passing, we're going to unleash the hounds, which really means Rashawn Gary, which is such a lazy... I mean, I could freaking run this defense. Do nothing until we get in third and long, then put Rashawn Gary in and just go, I don't know, dude, get him. And then he gets him like, yeah, I did my job. <laughs> I did it. Woo, go me. It's freaking stupid. Anyways, let's do uh, Randy's second call here. Randy, hey. it makes no no sense to me how, why you can watch that as a defensive coordinator and not be seething at the fact that you're letting up a 12-play, 13-play, 14-play drive. I mean... Well, and that's the other part is it, it's demoralizing to your defense. You know, when, when you just, you're just getting whooped. You're just getting out-muscled at that point. 
So not only are they tired, but they're demoralized. It's just a really, really unfortunate thing for a defense. Just let our guys go out there and try and win. If they get beat on an explosive play, well, cool. Now it was a minute off the clock, and our offense can get right back on there and do its thing. But when you've got these 13, 14, 15 play drives, not only are you gassing the defense, you're letting them control the time of possession, and the offense can get in no flow. Because Yeah, and it depends kind of on the team. Like, I, I wouldn't want to do that against the Chiefs, right? You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving Pat Mahomes the deep shot. Uh, I will play more conservative and say, you know, I want you to run the ball. Because, I mean, they're not going to do it anyways, and they'll probably be successful. But that's a better way to play them. It just is. And, and teams that have success have success that way against the Chiefs. I, I remember that Remember that in the quarterbacks thing where they started taking away the middle of the field. And he's like, are you freaking They actually got a pick. And he's like, well, now you messed up. Now that I know you're dropping a safety to try to take away the middle of the field, I'm going to kill you. He comes back the next play and just shoots down the field. But against guys like, you know, Ritter or Garoppolo or 90% of quarterbacks in the NFL, let them try to throw deep. Let Fields try to throw deep. Let these guys do that. You know, I, maybe Minnesota, kind of watch out. Detroit, no. I mean, they, they can, especially now that they got Jamison Williams back. It's something to keep an eye on. But they're going to try to run the ball and, and, and attack the middle of the field a lot of the time. And if, if he takes a shot, he takes a shot. But most of these teams, man, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just... we're making it too easy on a lot of these teams and i kind of go over that tomorrow a little bit in terms of looking some of the stats on how we played the falcons as opposed to how the last two weeks they played the falcons and it's a freaking embarrassment the falcons i mean I, i won't give it away but i mean there's very obvious evidence that we just did something very different and it didn't work and the other two teams who held them to single digits two weeks in a row did one thing and it was obvious and it seemed to freaking work but i don't know we got to make things harder on ourselves and easier for the other team and again expect our guys to just rise above it you know it's like just unnecessarily making things hard they're sitting on the bench as well for i mean what does an eight minute drive take up in or seven minute drive take up in terms of real time right it's a long minute i would much rather see our guys lose pressed up or, or, I mean, even if it's not press, we don't need this two-shell, oh, my gosh, we can't let a deep ball. Just let it, if it's going to happen, let it happen. But to die to a thousand paper cuts it is the most excruciating, excruciating thing. Thank you for getting letting me get this off my chest. I feel so much better. Or at least be adaptable i understand like this is what the nfl is doing and they're having success with it great i think a lot of offenses are starting to adapt which means the defenses need to adapt but i mean can we ever get away from it even matt lafleur is now talking about like you know maybe sometimes we shouldn't be doing it so much like oh yeah you think freaking a um certain times certain situations certain teams maybe we get away from it a little bit I know that you generally want to do something, but isn't that your freaking job is to identify different teams and their tendencies and play to take their strengths away? Isn't that the entire point? Same with the offense. Isn't your job to take what you do and adapt it to your opponent and attack your opponent's weaknesses? I mean, isn't that freaking 101? I don't know. I don't understand. Anyways, I appreciate the call, Randy, and look forward to hearing from you again. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and talk to Mr. Peter Thomas. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. 
The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, Ryan, it's Peter Thomas from Milwaukee. What's up, man? Not going to lie, man. I uh, have been uh, not listening to the podcast. <gasps> I just needed a break after that loss, man. Oh. Just rough. Um, you bastard. All the negativity. Just didn't seem like things were really positive or looking up. And, yeah, there were some good takeaways, a few, <clears throat> from the Detroit game. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of, like, catching back up with the podcast in the last day or two. And um, I think uh, what I wanted to talk about was, LeFleur and the ever-changing roster, uh, it seems to me as if in games that we're unsure of who's going to be playing, that uh, we usually don't typically play very well. And I'm not sure if you can look back into the history, um, but uh, in games in which we're unsure of our offensive line, it always seems that uh, the offensive line looks like Swiss cheese. Uh, in games that we don't know who's running back or if we're going to try to get a new guy back and try to get them into the uh, plays, doesn't seem like that really works out too well. So, yeah, I just wanted to know if uh, this was a common trend. feels like it is. Um, so hopefully this next week, this next game, um, we'll have everybody – back on track um i was thinking this was a get right game versus detroit and it seemed to me as if it wasn't that clearly it was uh simply a stay healthy game and uh looks to me as if uh we at least succeeded in that that there's there weren't too many more crucial injuries to the team and that we're actually getting more players back than we are losing them so uh if there's any positive to be taken out of that detroit game it's at least that uh, we're trending in the uh, positive direction health-wise. Anyways, hope you're doing well, man. Um, go Pack Go, and let's see if we can get it up this Sunday. All right, ciao. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I know things always crop up. You know, I mean, Jair, I think it was on a Friday, hurt his back um, or Thursday or whatever. And, um, you know, we'll see how Musgrave's doing. We'll see how Lucas Van Ness is holding up. And hopefully we get a little bit more from Sean Gary, from Aaron Jones. I saw there was a comment about Aaron Jones saying he thinks he'll be 100%, which I really think we need him. Um, he's obviously a spark whenever you can, whenever you need one. He seems to be one of those guys that can provide it, so that'll be fantastic, assuming we actually decide to use him. It's hard to know specifically about your question as far as, or your comment, I guess, as far as, you know, whether or not there's an issue with, with, with the... Um, trying to think out a phrase what you were saying um you know whenever we're not sure who's playing or whatever the substitutions that i mean i, I get what you're saying and it does feel that way without kind of doing a whole research study on it you know you think about the playoffs in particular when when the, the there's offensive line questions and obviously there was not a lot of people happy myself included with the decisions that were made on who plays um and even now there's a question of you know usage are we underutilizing guys maybe a little bit and putting people in wrong situations and, and not really, you know, if, if this person's not playing, do we have a good enough plan for how to utilize the guys that we do have? That's a question mark, maybe. I get what you're saying. I, I don't know. And, and and the other question, that that's always an important question, that, again, I think is is not considered enough, is how does it compare to the league, right? We can identify problems. I, I remember thinking about this 
when uh, there was a question about Aaron Rodgers not utilizing the middle of the, the field. And I, I don't know the answer to that question. It feels like everyone's pretty sure that that's definitive. But I remember looking at it, and if you look at Aaron Rodgers attacking the middle of the field, it was certainly less than everywhere else. But then if you look at where he ranked compared to every other quarterback, it didn't seem lower than ever. Because every, every, nobody really attacks the middle of the field more often than uh, than other parts of the field, I guess. Again, that's just one example that I can think of. It's, it's everything else, too, though. Like, well, this guy's terrible. Well, is he, he... He's not as good as you'd like him to be. That's true. But how does he rank compared to everybody else? That's why I'm constantly hammering the defense thing. Because it's easy to pick out the things that are wrong. Well, Wyatt isn't doing enough as far as consistency or run defense. And, and you know, I don't know. Uh, Savage isn't good enough. And Rudy Ford is a backup player. And, you know, I, I don't know what the other complaints would be. Jair had a bad day. Whatever. Okay. How does that compare to everybody? Well, I don't know. We, we, we can't... What we're doing is we're comparing it to a standard that is unachievable as, a, as opposed to comparing it to an actual objective standard. Compare it to... Like, what do you want to actually compare it to? You want to compare it to the to to a you want to be a top five defense, right? All right. So what we would do is I would probably try to find the number five defense and compare it to that. So let's go look at DVOA. We're at five weeks, so I don't know if we could start using the the actual um, DVOA or the the Dave or whatever. But it's either way you could look at either one. Right now, <laughs> number five defense is the Lions. You think we we don't compare personnel wise to the effing Lions? Give me a break. If we look at Dave rankings, which is kind of, um, you know, uh, understanding that it's it's still not a lot of weeks. And so kind of just whatever, building in preseason rankings or whatever, it would be the Baltimore Ravens. It would be Buffalo, then Dallas, then Cleveland, then San Francisco, then Baltimore. So you'd want to compare it more to the Baltimore Ravens and say, this is the standard. Do we have what they have? And then actually look at what they have. Understand what they have. Understand what they don't have. Because there, there is a lot of complaining based on an unattainable standard of perfection. And I just, I'm not interested in those conversations. Look at the positives and the negatives of actual teams. Look at what they're doing. Find out how they play. Find out their players. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? How do they overcome the weaknesses? Oh, they started to add more stuff finally. Good. So that, that's, that's my thought on all this. And again, if, if we're going to have a serious conversation, it has to be based on something rational. I'm not interested in talking about ideal perfection, right? I, this, I'm not arguing with people that are looking for a utopian vision of a perfect football team that will never exist. It's it's not a worthwhile conversation. It's It's fun maybe around draft time to try to look at, you know, all the different holes we can fill with all these elite players, even though we know in reality they're not all going to be elite players. Maybe, maybe one, probably zero if we mean actually, actually elite, elite. Good. Maybe two, maybe three. But it's just, it's such a waste of energy and breath to sit and, and expect seven out of seven to be really good and then to say Gooch should be fired because only two of the seven are good and he's a worthless this, that, or the other, and there's holes here, and this is why. It's like, dude, this is boring. This is not interesting. Anyways, I don't know how I got on this topic. I'm sorry, Peter. Hopefully I got to your question or comment or whatever and, and got to it. Appreciate your call as always. By the way, I've been thinking about this, and Peter, you reminded me because you are Mr. Musician. I'm contemplating, and I've been thinking about this for a while. There's a couple segments... I do at least one. I don't know. I'd like to kind of break things up maybe a little bit more into segments. Um, what would be cool is if I had some music. Or just, it could be anything. But like laughing at the enemy. Some music for laughing at the enemy. Maybe even if we did like a news thing. Sometimes I start off with like news and notes. If we had like a news and notes thing. I can go find something. I can find a little thing. You know, whatever. But there's there's people that are sending me music that I like. You know? some really good stuff. It's just a thought. If anybody wanted to put some stuff together, I would consider using it. I can't guarantee you anything, so please don't get in your feelings if I'm like, yeah, no, that's not really what I'm looking for. It's just for fun. Uh, maybe I'll use it once in a while. I don't know. But I thought that'd be a kind of a fun way to interact and to get you guys involved in the show. 
You guys seem to really like sending me some music. So if there's any segments that I do or things that you can think of and you wanted to shoot over uh, um, a sample, go ahead and do it. Obviously, I'm not looking for like a five-minute thing. It's like a quick little, now it's time for laughing at the enemy, and then, you know, like a 5, 10, 15-second thing. Just something fun to do. Get involved with the show kind of thing, you know. Anyways, Omar the Firefighter. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on? It's Omar the Firefighter. How y'all doing? Hey, just calling. Um, I think uh, one of the reasons why um, this not a knock of Air Jones, just the way we were able to run the ball previously because a lot of people were scared of A-Rod um, and they stayed back. Right now, I don't feel like a lot of people are, they should be, scared of our wide receivers. Um, I feel like we need to maybe try to run more out of pass formation sets. Like have four wide, you know, sure. so they so you, so the box would be a little light anyway with like an extra cornerback and try to run that way because the way we're running now, we're not getting anything. So maybe, you know, a couple of draws or just, you know, guys, but having it out of like with a bunch of receivers on the field to see if they match it. And if they don't match, that's when you can win easy with the play action and you got a wide receiver on a linebacker or a safety. Um, but I know we're doing a lot of high formations and stuff yeah. and, and things of that nature, close sets, and we're not winning those. So I think they might need to change it up that way. And that way it's kind of balanced where it's like, all right, they, they're in a pass formation, but they've been running. So we don't know if they run a pass and you get the same effect kind of versus we're just kind of like in a close set and like, oh, they're in a one formation. Oh, they did the pass. So we got to do something to help the, uh, O line out and the and the running backs out. Um, just kind of ridiculous how they've been. Uh, I'm gonna call back with one more thing. Um, just because I don't want to run out of time. All right, bro. Yeah, and I kind of suspect that's part of the reason we're throwing as much as we are is because they're playing the run and they're daring Jordan Love to pass. Um, which sometimes works to our advantage and sometimes obviously doesn't. Like when our offensive line can't pass block all of a sudden. But um. You know, I mean, it, it, and we said the same thing with Aaron Rodgers several times. I mean, if they're gonna if they're gonna load up one way, we have to be able to beat them the other way. You know, I think we had problems with that in 2022 where they were loading up and we couldn't beat them with the pass. And it's like we got to be able to beat them. And then then there were also times where I criticized Rodgers and Lafleur, saying, "Look, I know it's not optimal to run, but you can't just check out of it every time and and throw just because you want to. You stick with it and and do it. And I think we need to do that too. And again, we got away from that." Um, not all the time because it's not going to work. I mean, there's a reason why you check out of it, but um, yeah, I mean that's that's just part of being a, a a good football team and and having that balance. Because if 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 they want to load up and take one thing away, you have to be able to do another thing. If you can't do two things, we're in trouble, right? I mean, that's why you got the speed guy who can get down the field. You got sort of your intermediate guy in Romeo Dobbs. You got the tight end who needs to be a major factor. You got the run game. If you just have like Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed which is we're attacking like the same part of the field, and that's really all we got. We can't run. We don't have the deep shot. We're, the wide receiver screens are, are useless right now. There's nothing going on there. The only thing we have are these intermediate middle-of-the-field passes. We're not going to win football games. So we got to start We got to start stacking. And if they're going to load the box, then we got to be able to hit. We got to get Musgrave massively involved. We got a Christian Watson involved. We got to start being much better and much more accurate on our deep balls, especially guys that are wide freaking open. That needs to be touchdowns, not overthrows, not underthrows. Those need to be touchdowns. You start doing that, they're going to start backing off. It's going to open up the run game. So there you go. Omar, what's going on? Uh, Also, right now, I definitely believe we need to draft. I don't think there's any good O-line free agents. Um... I don't really like signing a free agent lines because I feel like if they were that great, they wouldn't let them go. But for like a kind of a team, I don't want to say rebuild, but just to like help the team, I definitely think, like I said, we draft some O-linemen. Um, if we can get the top left tackle cool, get that part taken care of because it's going to be harder to find later. Not impossible. Everybody say, oh, it was a fourth-round pick. Zach Connor was a fourth-round pick. You know, you can find some, but just just harder. So, and then I'm thinking we should just trade down, um, and try to maybe trade down twice, and get some, you know, second round O lineman, D lineman, and uh, like a speed receiver, somebody kind of like uh, I can't 
name for the Bengals. They got him late, like Ozilas or something like that. He's like a fast wide receiver. And he was playing pretty good as a rookie. Um, but I think for free agency, I think we need to bring D-line in. So, cause you know, it takes a while for rookie D-tackles to play. So I think we build up the D-line through free agency. The safeties is, we got so many holes. I just feel like the safeties, you know, I will, I will give Savage maybe a cheap deal if you take it or average deal, maybe bring in some safeties in free agency. But, uh, we definitely need to bring in some D-line, spend some money to help the D-line. And um, I think we'll be good and resign Gary. But uh, I'm, I'm drafting a lot of old linemen um, early in this draft because we got to fix the old line. And then we can get running backs later. Like, I would definitely – I would keep Jones where he at. And then if we could sign one of those – there's a lot of free agent running backs available like Josh Jones and Taylor and everything. Like, if they'll take a deal that that's like what Jones has or less, I would do that. If not, keep Jones for one more year and then replace him next year. Like draft one next year, but like higher, I guess. But you could draft one late this year and see what happens, how it pans out. Um, because we got too many other problems or issues as far as running back, and I think Jones would be good. And, um, you know, we, we, we found somebody that was under free agent that ran the ball pretty good. If you got a good old line, you can just be like anybody, have anyone to back, kind of like the Denver Broncos had back in the day. Like, it didn't matter who was behind that O-line, they was running 4,000 yards. So I definitely think we need to invest heavy in the draft on the O-line and, and free agency spend the D-line to build that up that way and uh, probably cornerback. So, all right, talk to you later. What you think? Well, yeah, so I'm checking out um, PFF a little bit. Like, we got the consensus big board or whatever. Um, but it's kind of cool to look at PFF and kind of see who's who's dominating a little bit. And there's one guy that actually is pretty intriguing here. I want to. I haven't done this yet. I want to start watching some of the prospects. But um, there's a man who's which is kind of perfect. And I mentioned this: if you get a guy that is a pure run defender, the earliest you're going to find him if he's really good at it is usually the second round. If they have some pass rush potential, they'll probably slip into the first. But Chris Jenkins out of Michigan right now is the highest graded run defender in the entire in the entirety of college football with a 90.3 run defense grade. And you got to understand, college football is vast. There are, let's see, uh, we got 100, 200, and there are three pages. So go to page three, 490 run defenders. Out of 490 guys, Chris Jenkins right now, who the consensus big board has as an early second-round pick, and remember, we have two second-round picks. One of them is probably going to be relatively early. This could be a pick for Chris Jenkins. Now, would the Packers do that? I don't know. But... Um, the other thing I kind of like about him is he's 6'3", 305. I don't know why. I, I kind of like the fact that it, it's it, he's not just a good run defender because he's 340 pounds and he's in college and it's hard to move a guy like that. And then the pros, they can get pushed around. This is fundamental stuff. But let's see. We got Chris Jenkins against Ohio State and Penn State. Last year, he had an 83 run defense grade, 66 pass rush. That's not his thing. He had 20 pressures on 303 attempts, two sacks. Ohio State, he had a 67 run defense. Penn State, 72. Let me check out that game. Eh. <laughs> it's so hard to get excited about a guy that can't rush the passer. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and and he, he's not as immovable as you'd kind of hope a guy like that would be. But it wasn't his best game. I mean, it was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th. It was right in the middle as far as his run defense goes. Although it was his third highest overall game, which is saying something. But he also has an 80 tackling grade, which is important. I'm tired of our guys constantly letting people slip through their arms. It's something to consider. Um, but I do think it's going to be tough to pick a guy in the second round that can't rush the passer unless they think he can get there. So anyways, yeah, we got to add to it for sure. Uh, let's do one more and then we'll take a break. Hey, Ryan. I uh, just want to let you know that I'm going to try to dedicate myself to watching uh, for the rest of the season the games of opponents that we'll have further on down uh, the schedule this year and uh, try to give you some heads up on uh, questions regarding their defensive PFF scores and versus ours and stuff because I'm – it got me thinking after I watched San Francisco yesterday, um, <clears throat> the one thing that was uh, glaringly obvious was that for their offense, uh, Brock Purdy went 20 for 21 
and completions. But nothing was like big shots. Everything was relatively doable, standard passes in that offense. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, okay, why can't we scheme more into this type of situation for love, number one? Because there were some certain plays I was like, oh, man, that would look great for us. But then I came back to reality and just watched that they have, you know, Christian McCaffrey running the ball, and he's hurtling tacklers like he's in the Olympics. <laughs> and I'm like, we don't have a running back that can run like him. We don't have a tight end that can block, you know, like Kittle can. We don't have an offensive line that can block like them. I know that I make comparisons that maybe down the road we would be in a similar situation as far as how our guys develop, but um, I'm not saying I'm losing faith in the coaching, but uh, the one guy that nobody has addressed that I feel like maybe we need to scrutinize a little more is, is Luke Buckus. This O-line has not been the same since Stinovich became the OC. That's true. And uh, I'm just watching the grades for other teams' uh, O-line compared to ours down the road and just seeing where we're at because, again, I know that they are a lot better, but I'm just trying to see and, and figure out for myself, like, what are we not doing correctly? And I know that Mike Wall is probably – the best guy to go to in, in reference to what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, technique-wise. But uh, I'm just I'm grasping straws, watching at other teams, seeing how they succeed at every level, and we can't even put together, you know, four quarters of a game that looks complete. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to compare to San Francisco. I remember that, you know, watching Brock Purdy on the QB school. And he was breaking down Purdy, and it's like every one of his passes was like a wide open twenty yard pass. It was the most incredible thing ever. Like, how do you get not only do you, how do you get guys wide open, but how do you get guys wide open deep down the field so consistently? It's because it's Shanahan, and, and because they have the pieces that they have. They have yes, they have McCaffrey. They also have Debo. They also have Kittle. They also have Ayuk. Um, so there's a lot to try to watch out for i mean you get similar things with travis kelsey in kansas city like how in the world does that guy get open it's the one guy you got to pay attention to and somehow he gets open so look i i think matt lafleur has done a good job i know um most of the people that have done a lot of the film breakdowns um have basically said that he is doing an incredible job as far as the scheme is concerned there's just a complete lack of execution um we've definitely seen guys wide open and it almost never gets completed I've actually been very impressed with, you know, there are times I just don't think we're going to be able to convert a third down or whatever, and the Packers have actually been very, very good. Um, I don't know about this last game necessarily, but prior to in finding guys that are open, scheming guys that are open, getting Dobbs open, getting uh, whoever open. We just got to do a better job of executing, and that, that starts with the offensive line. You know, we, we have not been able to run the ball, which makes it way harder to do anything. And then when you can't run block or pass block, then there's no reason to expect anything. So... Yeah, I, I haven't been upset with the play calling at all. I know everybody's upset because this last week didn't go well. But again, I mean, every single issue comes down to the offensive line. It's hard to blame play calling when we can't even see what the play was because the quarterback's on his back. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, but that, that hasn't been something I've noticed in terms of like the problems that we've had. I know some people have complained that we're too aggressive. But again, every single one of these like trick plays should have worked. It just didn't get executed. You know, I mean, the toss back, man, that was that was freaking wide open. So I think schematically he's doing a good job. I like that he's being aggressive. Um, we just don't have a team that's that's up to snuff yet. And maybe we don't have the players. I don't know. We got to see what we have in the wide receivers. I think Romeo Dobbs is having a great year. Uh, we're seeing Jaden Reed kind of rise to the occasion. I think Luke Musgrave is secretly doing a lot better than people expect. He's getting a lot of praise around the league. Packer fans are upset, I think, because we wanted him to be George Kittle in two weeks. But you know, again, he's been open a lot and had a lot of missed passes to him. And then we just got Christian Watson back. So, and we've missed Aaron Jones almost the entire year. And but David Bakhtiari and everything else. So I, I don't know. It, it's hard to judge Matt Lafleur right now. But I think based on how f- much of a setback there has been, I, f- from my perspective, I think it's gone quite well. Um, 
yes, maybe there should have been more runs, but again, when they're selling out against the run and they got eight, nine guys in the box and and Matt LaFleur says, hey, maybe we should pass, it's hard to be like, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, no, that's common sense. But anyways, let's take our second break. We'll come back and see what Corey from Ohio has to say. Yeah, this is Corey from Ohio. I just kind of take on the whole season ticket thing. A lot of people get the season tickets and they sell like half of their games anyway because they want to try to either make some of the money back or try to make more than half of what they spent back and play the hustling game anyway. If you don't want to spend that much money on the whole season tickets, why don't you just give up your season tickets to somebody who's going to use them and then you buy individual tickets to the games that you want to go to. That would keep more dedicated Packer fans in the stands week after week as well. Just a thought. Go Pack Go. Well, there's kind of two sides to it, I guess. On on one hand, yeah, if you're not going to be able to make it to any of the games, then you shouldn't be probably on the season ticket list. Right? And yeah, there probably are people that... Well, and you got to remember, too, some people put their kids on the list. You know, you don't know what your kids are going to... So, so then they grow up, and then they have tickets, and they're often you know, living in New Jersey or something. Um, so, the, again, I'm not going to tell people they have to give things away for free. That's insane. You, you have the tickets. You should give it away for free that you paid for and then also buy back tickets. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if you're going to get... It's like getting a season pass to Six Flags. Don't do that if you're going to go there once or zero times a year. Just get a single ticket. Um, but, but, the, but yeah, the, the, we, we have set up sort of an incentive program where it can be profitable to have it. So for some people, you get on the list and you can actually make money from this. If you sell all the tickets, you make a bunch of money. And, um, you know, that, that can create sort of a not great environment where there's probably some people doing that. Um, and nobody's going to just give that up. Like you, 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 I don't want to say you've got yourself a gold mine, but you, you've got something pretty awesome and a very desired thing in these season tickets. Nobody's just going to be like, yeah, I only go to one a game. I'll just let somebody else have the season tickets and I'll buy my own. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate thing. I, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to some kind of a restructuring of that. I doubt they'll ever do it, especially since they have such a long waiting list to just tear it all up and be like, we're starting over and doing something different. But you could implement something if there's a way to track it and say, if you're going to be a member of the season tickets, pers- this, that, or the other, you have to be in attendance. But, but how do you track that? You know, I mean, somebody's going to use the tickets. So you'd have to actually match up the tickets with somebody's ID. So if you're a season ticket holder, we got to like check your ID and make sure that you're right. You know what I mean? Like it, it gets to the point of kind of being a little bit silly, especially for a team that honestly doesn't care that much. They, they're they're trying to sell tickets and they're doing that. And people are buying them and they think that's great. And as long as people are buying them, they're happy. Um, of course, they'd like more Packer fans in the stands, but that's secondary to just the, the number one goal, which is sell the tickets, sell out the stadium. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would I guess I would say, although I don't even it's such a long wait list, but you know if you're living in Florida, don't put yourself on the list unless you plan to move to Green Bay. But I'm I'm talking to like an eight year old right now who has no idea what's gonna <laughs> happen in the future. So I don't know, man. I don't I don't I don't know what the the solution is here. It seems like a lot of people want. People just give things away for free. I, I I'm not going to ask people to do that, but um, I don't know. I don't I don't know what the best thing to do is. If if you have the tickets, try to sell them to Packers fans. If you can't, then put them on the market. And again, Packer fans, if you don't like Lions fans buying those tickets, then you buy them. And if you're not going to buy them, then shut up about it. I guess. Yeah, this is Corey from Ohio again. I had a question. Uh, I. About halftime, kind of didn't pay quite as much attention to the second half. I was a little upset. I watched it here and there, but I wasn't as into it as the first half. And I know a lot of the Packer fans keep saying, oh, we dominated in the second half. We played like that all game. But when we go up like that on the team, we start playing softer. We don't rush as much. We play a lot more soft pre-event. We don't try as hard. Teams that came back on us, and we always used, oh, well, it was garbage time. 
they were playing Priva. Um, if you watched the game closely, what do you think it was more that we played that much better, or were the Lions playing softer? Were they still bringing the pressure and stuff later on in the game? I don't really know. That's why I'm asking. Just curious what your thought was. Thanks. Go Pack Go. I, I don't know the answer to the question. I'm, I'm positive they weren't playing prevent defense. I, I don't think most teams go into prevent unless, you know, we're in the final play of the game or whatever. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, based on the way the NFL is now, we've seen so many comebacks and, and teams score points so fast. If, if you're playing softer in the second half, you're an idiot. Unless you have a 50-point lead, you should not change a single thing. Even with a 20-point lead, I mean, look look at Denver and Chicago. What did they have, like a 21-point lead? Maybe even more. Was it? What, what did they have, three points? 28 to 3? And then there were 28 unanswered points by Denver? Something like that. I can't imagine Detroit, especially the way that they play football, deciding to take the foot off the gas. So I don't, I don't have answers in terms of scheme or pressure rates or anything like that. Again, if I had SIS, maybe I could answer some of those questions, but I don't. And even that, one of the more disappointing things is they don't have team stuff. They have individual player stats, but um, I don't know. And uh, yeah, I think that that might to some degree be a overused thing. Look, if, if, if a team scores in the fourth quarter with three minutes left and you're up by 21, yeah. I mean, like in the Bears game, it wasn't the second half. Nobody's saying the entire second half the Packers gave up and that's the only reason the Bears scored any points. What people are talking about is like in the final minutes, the team goes down and scores or whatever when the defense is kind of just being lazy because they, you know, whatever. There's there's, there's kind of a difference there. So did the, de- did, did the Lions kind of give up in the second half because they thought they had it in the bag? No. And I'm not saying that based on anything that I've seen or observed or statistically or anything. It's just there's no way that they did that. Maybe as we got further down into the later parts of the fourth quarter, possibly, but not an entire second half, no. Daddy, what's up, man? It's snacks. What's up? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know really like doing this, but he just got done listening to the uh, the Bears, the Bears broadcast you put out in the the unedited silence. <laughs> Oh man, I haven't laughed like that in a minute. So I, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to thank you for that. That was that was real enjoyable, and um, still feeling still feeling good, man. Still feeling good. Feeling a lot better now that we've removed our time from Thursday, and be um, real curious to see how this line bounces back, and whether or not the defense alters. Anyway, I believe. Thank you for the laugh, man. Appreciate it. Glad you enjoyed it. Takes a little bit of time to put those together, but uh, they're always fun to do. And um, I'm just glad that the Bears were given hope for a minute so we could at least do one more high-quality laughing at the enemy at the Bears. Because, um, well, plus, I, they're, they're probably going to be because half the fan base, or even more maybe, is is back on the field's bandwagon. So we got, you know, they're, they're, they're piping up a little bit again, which is great. I'm glad they're back in the fight. Makes for more fantastic content. Ryan, it's uh, Aaron from Eau Claire. Yo. Um, I don't know if you saw the news, but Taylor Swift is at the Chiefs game. I mean, I know you were talking about it a little bit, but I don't think you're... Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. You mean uh, Taylor Swift? I don't know. I'm not sure who that is. really understands the gravity of this whole situation. <laughs> like, she was sitting up there watching the game. What do you mean? Like, I don't think you understand. No, I don't what, understand. What's amazing about that is that she was watching the game. Like in, uh, she played the game in the box. You know, in the she like, was like eight man. She the was the eighth person in the, the box, or and um, I've seen some pretty remarkable things in, in my lifetime, but that was spectacular. I mean, she was up there. And it sounds like she they might be a couple. Up where? Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey might be a couple. Couple, couple what? I mean, that's something for sure. Is it? That's I don't know. Something. I don't understand. That really is something. <laughs> um, they would really make a couple. 
couple of something. They would definitely make a couple. And, I mean, it's, she, I mean, did you see the way she was watching the game? I mean, she was up there, like, her eyes were watching open, it. like, yeah, she's staring watching at the game. It. Like, I've never seen that before. Yeah. That was awesome. Never seen a blonde with a lot of lipstick watching football before? That's crazy. I don't know if I have either, to be honest. She's very blonde, very lipsticky, sings songs, and uh, she was high-fiving people. It's freaking wild, man. I mean... I mean... I mean, Travis Kelsey seems like a nice guy and everything, but, boy, if he, if he breaks her heart... Ooh, Cricket's back. Oh, Swifty Nation's going to be after What's him. What's up, Jiminy? Jiminy likes, tell you what. likes Swift. So he better be on his best behavior because... Well, here's... I mean, the the real question... I mean, if we're being serious now, the real question is, if if he breaks up with Taylor Swift, are they going to cut Travis Kelsey? I mean, I would assume he's out of the league. Nobody's going to bother picking up a bum like that, right? I mean, let's just be honest. No. He, he, he definitely uh, should not... Uh, break my Taylor's heart, you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, she was just spectacular up there in that box. She wears the jersey. Yeah, the jersey? Like she might even... She might have even been there. I mean, I don't... I don't know. I mean, it's... I could talk about this all day. It's just so amazing. Yeah, there's so much to cover here. So cool. I mean, so many different angles to approach. Hair, I mean, she had... It's blonde. That's like what I said. Do. Yeah. It's like blonde, and uh, I think it's straight. I mean, she was seemed like she was talking to someone up there. Yeah, probably his friends. <laughs> Wonder and what stuff. they were saying. It's freaking crazy. Um, I mean, I'm almost at the three minute mark. There's so much stuff to say. You can call back. Yeah, I mean, look, let's be honest. We we could all talk about this for years and years because there's so many interesting things to discuss with that. Um, her hair and her songs and her lipstick, um, sitting and standing and watching and high-fiving and cheering and, I mean, it, the list goes on for, for decades and eons and, uh, light years, which is a distance, but it sounds cool. Um, yeah, but, but, you know, maybe just because I don't want this to monopolize the show we don't have to give every thing that happened because that would just take a really long time uh right in all seriousness though i've been uh, driving a lot this last couple days from eau claire to minneapolis um for music performances and rehearsals and there's been a lot of driving and uh, your podcast has really helped me to uh Stay entertained on the road. Stay Good. Stay, uh, Sorry, I missed the podcast so, yesterday. <laughs> thank you so much for all that you offer with that. Or today, and, I guess. I uh, really appreciate the work you do. Apologize. Uh, <sighs> but but seriously, Taylor Swift <laughs> is really something. I didn't... Especially when she's at the NFL uh, games with Travis Kelsey. I mean, I just think it's remarkable. Truly remarkable. Yeah, I didn't do what I promised I would do. I said I was going to go on YouTube and just find out what people are talking about because I just I don't understand what there is to talk about. But I appreciate you, A.A. Ron from Eau Claire, for enlightening me on so many different angles that I, I hadn't even considered. Um, she was, in fact, at the game. She was watching the game. She was standing, sitting, cheering, clapping, high-fiving, eating, bright red lipstick, like she's living in the 80s, you know, tons of, I bet she has a lot of perfume on and, you know, she just needs that poofy hairstyle. She'll be all 80'd out. Um, she appears tall, but I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure the Swifties know her height to the centimeter, um, which I'm really upset that I keep saying the term Swifties, which is the dumbest thing ever. Uh, boy, yeah. Uh, did we? Did I say sitting? And also standing, or, um, yeah, blonde hair. I don't know her eye color. Probably blue. Seems to, seems like it would fit her. But could be, could be brown. 
could be grim. We could talk about her eye color for forever. I mean, just that by itself is crazy. I'm sure she has fingernails and stuff. Um, he, I, I think Aaron said she was wearing a jersey. Is that real? I saw somebody on Twitter said they didn't leave together, which we could talk about forever. Um, somebody else commented because it was an away game, um, you know, but still you, you could uh, discuss that and the potential ramifications of such information. Um, sitting and standing and cheering and lipstick. Um, she's tall and thin. She sings. She sings. I wonder if she's singing in the press. Probably not. It's probably, you know, you don't, you don't want to, like, work when you're in your free time, you know? But she may have... I wonder if she sings Travis Kelsey songs, if she sings to him, sings to him at night, lullabies or pop songs, or maybe she has romantic songs. I'm not sure. She probably has a couple pop ballady things. Do you call them ballads when it's a female singing, or is that just like a lovey thing that dudes do. I'm, I'm not sure the, the thing of what would be considered a ballad, but um, yeah, maybe she sings romantic songs to him and, and when they go get ice cream at Dairy Queen. And where do they go? Do they go out to eat? And, and do they eat food? Do celebrities eat food? Or are they so godlike that they don't need food? I'm not sure. Um, again, so many questions, so many angles, so many important uh details that pertain and notice by the way how much we talked about football in this span of of covering taylor swift i mean the, the parallels are just it's one-to-one -one. i mean the entire time i'm talking about hair i'm talking football and if you didn't pick that up you don't know ball bro like when i say lipstick come on think about it taylor swift in the box watching the game with a jersey sitting standing cheering you you missed it if you didn't realize i was talking ball if you're not getting it, learn ball, bro. Okay? One-to-one. -one. It's all the same. Same thing, so. Anyways, uh, yeah, this has been, this has been great. <laughs> Appreciate the calls, and I uh, look forward to talking to y'all tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.